Isolating is an almost universal symptom of PTSD from childhood or for anyone with wounds from trauma. There's what it looks like from the outside and then there's what it's like in here, the real reason that we shy away from other people even when we want more than anything to have love and connection in our lives. So isolating can take the form of totally avoiding other people, but in its more covert form, it can look like, you know, going to the social event, even acting friendly, but then avoiding being real with people, holding them at arm's length with small talk, never really joining them in any kind of bonding activity. For a person who gets triggered by people, isolating often feels like it's the right and best and most self-caring thing that you can do in the moment when you have to make the decision about whether to go out with a friend or go to a party or invite someone to dinner, well, there's a temptation to make an excuse in the short term because it relieves stress that tends to hijack your mind. You might regret it later, but saying yes to people can immediately dysregulate your nervous system. Do you experience this? Neurological dysregulation is that stressed and discombobulated feeling that everyone feels sometimes, but that can be extra intense and extra frequent for people who were abused or neglected as kids. When we get triggered by a criticism or by hurrying or fearing that we don't belong in a group, it can cause a whole cascade of emotional and physiological and cognitive changes, glitches really, that make it hard to function. So a party can be hard. An argument can cost three days of being able to focus. And until you learn to heal your dysregulation, you'll unconsciously arrange your life to avoid triggers that bring on that neurological chaos and that set you back. And that means isolating. Now, when I say trigger, I don't mean the way that the word is tossed around to say something you don't like or that makes you uncomfortable. I'm talking about an experience or a thought, you know, a stimulus that causes neurological dysregulation to kick in. And for a person who relies heavily on isolation to manage their CPTSD symptoms, being with people is like standing in a field with a tornado coming. You might not be totally conscious of it, but an anxiety kind of revs up at the thought of having to deal with people and it can make you feel helpless and scared. And honestly, the choice to isolate in any given situation can feel good. It can feel empowering as if you're taking care of yourself. And sometimes you are. So you say no to invitations, or you say yes, but then cancel at the last minute, or you end a dating relationship, or you ghost a friend who has texted you to ask why you have, they haven't heard from you. And you may have become a master of excuses, making up illnesses, traffic jams, family emergencies, so that people wouldn't see what was really going on with you, which is that you can't deal with them. Not right now. It felt like too much. So you were isolating just to feel safe and feel like you could have a little breathing room. It's understandable. But here's the thing. If you keep using isolation to manage your CPTSD triggers, just about every option in your life will gradually close off to you. That's how it happens. You're not there to keep the door open and people and opportunities will move on without you. You can heal this, but get ready because it takes honesty to face it, to really admit that it's not the world, but you who has been holding you apart. 
And I know there are times when people do act cliquish and uninclusive and cruel, but when we're isolating, we're doing most of that ourselves. If you isolate, you may have become good at justifying it, a little too good. I get letters and you see it in the comments where people will just say things like, you know, people are just horrible. Everyone out there is just out for themselves. Or they say, you know, dating is just a cesspool where they just want to use you. Or all jobs are just exploitation by greedy capitalists trying to get everything they can from you. Then they throw you out like garbage. These are trauma-driven beliefs. They start as a reflexive reaction to something that did happen, a hurt, an injustice, but they calcify into hard walls around you, making you intense to be around, rigid in your thinking, and making it harder and harder for you to feel comfortable participating in life. So you slip into loneliness. Maybe you're good at tolerating your loneliness. I get letters from people like all the time, but you know what? I don't want you to be too good at being lonely. It's better to be uncomfortable with loneliness. It's better to be sad about the relationships that are lost or blocked for you because of your trauma. It is sad. And that grief and that discomfort with being alone is what is going to lift you back into connection with people. And this time, if you can learn to heal those triggers that make dealing with people so difficult, you can start to connect with them just one little step at a time. And I'll come back to explain how to do that in a minute. But first, I wanna talk about that free and peaceful feeling that you're craving that you get, even if just for a moment, when you isolate. Once you get triggered and your heart races and your emotions rise up out of their normal, regulated levels, your mind starts distorting things. That's what CPTSD does. You feel overwhelmed. Literally, your brain can't process thoughts and feelings, so they're building up. There's a lot going on up here. And this is when traumatized people will become vulnerable to slipping into their pattern. You know what I mean by pattern? Some people go blank and defenseless. Some will frantically start trying to make everybody happy, fearing they're about to alienate everyone. Other people will lash out and start yelling. And some of us withdraw and find a way to excuse ourselves from participating without ever explaining why and trying not even to be noticed. We all have a few patterns, but usually one or two will dominate. And this is being driven by neurological dysregulation. It amplifies the stress feelings you already have, and it makes them hard to manage, hard to bounce back from. So there's a huge temptation to just avoid the triggers altogether, or most of the time look like you're showing up, but avoid any real connection. And those are strategies that you can use to keep looking like everything's okay, but really you're just keeping your relationships as hollow as possible. You're not showing up for people, and soon they're not showing up for you. So isolating yourself is an instant solution to the stress you feel when your CPTSD symptoms are triggered. Could be an argument, a mistake, something embarrassing. You feel rejected or judged or ugly, or you feel like people are placing demands on you that are more than you can handle. It seems like it's gonna be exhausting if you let anybody in, right? It can feel like it's gonna be a marathon that just won't ever end. So it's very tempting. Isolating is a way that you can shut the door on all those unpleasant feelings and anxieties for a while. Now, if isolating feels 
empowering and helps you to have control over your time and energy, maybe it's showing you that you need a way to protect yourself. Instead of making excuses, you could work on having boundaries. You can practice the words and the actions that make it okay for you to hang out for a little while and then go home. You need it to be okay to be social, but also it needs to be okay to say no when people ask something of you. A lot of us isolate just to prevent ourselves from giving away all our time and energy to people who ask, just because we don't know how to say no, it's too stressful. It is possible to be friendly while saying no. Now watch your thinking because another thought that people have while isolating is that pulling away from people is only temporary. I'm just doing this for a minute. You just need a rest. I just don't like this one person. I just need a little bit of self-care time. And it feels like self-care, doesn't it? It's like a little spa for one with Netflix and DoorDash. And it feels like you're doing something good for yourself. But, but really, how does it feel? How does it feel after you've done it a couple of days in a row or a couple of weeks or a couple of years? If you do it enough times, there's a dread feeling that is really hard to push down. And I know because I've done it, it tends to come up and haunt me about three in the morning and I can't sleep. Do you ever get this? It just feels like life is passing you by. And feeling this way is, you know, in my experience, it's more stressful than having people in your life and showing up for them and clumsily figuring out how to have boundaries and say no. So when you're promising yourself that soon you're gonna get back out there, just remember the longer you aren't out there, the harder it gets. And sometimes the isolation will cause you to go deeper into behaviors, you know, anything that makes you feel shame, that trigger an even stronger urge to isolate. So it can be kind of a downward spiral. It can begin to feel like an addiction where you almost want to feel overwhelm or exhaustion because then you can give yourself permission to just lie down and keep isolating. That's when you know you're in a bad spot. So let's talk about why it's so important to come out of that, to heal that raw place where it feels like people are too treacherous to handle. Now, some of you will argue with me, but here's the fact, you need people in your life. Pets are wonderful, but they're not enough. Even if you didn't have the emotional need for people, your immune system needs to be around people. Your mental health needs to be around people. Your physical health needs to be around people. And when you're actually connecting with people, it has the healthy effect of drawing you out of yourself, out of your preoccupation with hurt or grievances that you hold against others. You know, how do I feel about all this? What's gonna happen? I can't forget what they did to me. These are the kind of thoughts that sort of get bigger when you're isolated. And when you're isolated, you can take them too far. Practicing connection feels risky, but it can be rewarding very quickly. And it opens up your day to a little adventure, some delight, some hopefulness, some exercise maybe, some friendship, maybe even romance, maybe. Being with people helps to keep your, your thinking grounded too, and it helps keep you socially limber. When you hide out for a while, everything feels halting and awkward. I felt that like at the end of the lockdown. I wasn't aware that it was happening when I wasn't hanging out with people, but as soon as I was, I had trouble finding words or knowing what to say. I felt, you know, self-conscious. Now with practice, it got smoother and that's how it works. We need to be socialized or we get rusty and we need to feel that we're needed, that what we give matters to people. 
So I believe strongly that our happiness, it's not just a feeling, it's almost like an organism that can either be destroyed by relationships or it can flourish in relationships. And knowing the difference of the, you know, who are the people that help you grow, it takes practice. And it means you have to try. You can't do this in isolation. So you can say hello to the cashier when you buy your groceries. You can check on a neighbor. You can run an errand for somebody. You can call somebody who you know could really use a phone call and take time to listen to them. This is good, not just for them, but for you. You need to be playing this role of someone who cares about others. You need this for your continued development or it traps you. It's like a developmental barrier. You can't mature. Now, some of us can tilt a little too far into people pleasing and codependence as a sort of backdoor way to connect with them. That will exhaust you soon enough. Real relationships are not transactional. Like I'll clean your kitchen if you drive me to the pharmacy or I'll listen to you tell me all your health problems if I can tell you about my horrible mother. That kind of exchange will bring both people down. When you help other people, don't expect anything back. Sometimes you will get something back. Some people can't give that, but sometimes they do reciprocate. And this is when you might be tempted to isolate too. So it takes practice to hang in there and allow people to get a little closer to you. See if very slowly and naturally you can allow a friendship to blossom. It's easy when you've been alone a long time to put a lot of pressure on new friendships and then to be hurt that they aren't what you hoped. It's good to spread your friendliness around so no one acquaintance is a life and death situation for you. Either they become your friend or you know, your world becomes terrible. It takes practice to learn to connect. You have everything to gain from persevering with people. We need them so that we can flourish and so that we can become ourselves. And we need them when we're sick or in the hospital or going through a hard time. Now, it might feel impossible for you right now to step out of your comfort zone, but that feeling of difficulty is exactly why now is a good time to fight the urge to isolate. If people trigger you, you can learn to calm those triggers. If you can get mastery over your triggers and the dysregulation that results, and you can, you'll have more flexibility to hang out with a variety of people and have fun in all kinds of situations. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.